0: Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for the word today, Lord. We ask, O oh God, that you would touch every heart, God. Lord, we ask, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would be in this place, Lord, today, God. Lord, captivate our hearts today, Lord. God, we pray that you would touch each and every person, Lord, in this room, Lord. Lord, for those that feel like they're in a cave experience, Lord, in their life, God, I pray that you would let them see the reason and the season, Lord, And Lord, help them to see the light at the end of the tunnel, Lord, knowing, God, that you're going to bless them through it, Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone that doesn't know you today, Lord. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful way. Lord, I pray for those that are in the cafe today, the overflow, God, that they would pay attention, they would just not be distracted by people moving around in the cafe, but Lord, God, that they would be riveted, Lord, to the screen, Lord, and they will listen, God, carefully, because I know that you have a word for them today. I pray for those that are watching via live stream and those that will watch this in the future, God, that you would bless them. Lord, I thank you, God, for your great word, Lord, that brings hope into our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I want to continue my series entitled Fearless. And we have been looking into the life of David. We know that the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And we know that God rejects Saul as king because Saul is an insecure leader and as a result of that, he does so much of what he does out of insecurity. And God rejects him because he's disobedient to the Lord. The higher the responsibility in the kingdom, the more we need to listen to the voice of God. And so Saul was disqualified to be king, and God anoints David. And the Bible says that now Saul, while he's still king, he brings David into his house, and he makes David one of his officers. And the Bible says wherever David went, whatever David did, he was successful. As a result of that, the people began to praise David, began to praise God for David. The Bible says on one occasion, Uh, David got more credit from the people than Saul did, and Saul was jealous, and as a result of that, everything that David did, he watched with a jealous eye, and the Bible says that from that point on, Saul was determined to kill David, in fact, One time when David was playing the harp, the Bible says that Saul takes a spear and he tries to pin David to the wall. And the Bible tells us that David actually stays in the kingdom, even though Saul tries to kill him, that Saul actually calls David back. And David now is really open to the will of God, but he knows that Saul is bent on hurting him. But David still stays with Saul. And the Bible says that Saul begins to play games with David's heart. And because Saul is a leader now, and he begins to taunt David in a lot of different ways, David falls in love with the, one of Saul's daughters. And the Bible says that Saul says, I'm going to give you my daughter. And at the last minute, right before they were going to get married, Saul gives his daughter to somebody else. He's playing. He's toying with David's heart. The Bible says that then uh, Saul finds out that uh, Saul's younger daughter, Fell in love with David, and he said, "Ah, now I'll give my cow to uh, to David because she's a problem. I've had problems with her, and he'll become a, she'll become a snare to David, and that'll be a way a down a downfall for David." And the Bible says that in that in that instance, when uh, Saul is very jealous about David, he actually lets his jealousy get to him to the point where he calls his men and he says, "I just want you to get David, take him right out of his bedroom, and kill him." The Bible says that David's wife lets him down, lets him go, and, uh, and covers for him, and Saul is so angry at his daughter. As a result of that, now David knows, he's completely convinced that Saul is going to kill David. He knows that he's got to run from the house, and so he runs, and I want you to notice this verse. It says, and in chapter one, uh, chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, he says, and David left Gath, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. He escaped to the cave of Adullam. And so we notice that David now is on the run from Saul. And he escapes into a cave. The Bible tells us that David now is all by himself. And the truth is, he's a fugitive on the run. David goes from the pit to the palace to the pit. And now David's on the run for his life. And David runs to Gath. Now, this is really important for us to understand that David doesn't feel safe anywhere in Israel. Why? Because no one is going to betray the king and as a result of that, David now has to run from his own homeland, and he's got to run into a cave, but before he does that, he actually goes to the king of Gath, and we know that actually that's the king of the Philistines, and so David actually runs to his enemy. He can't go anywhere else. He runs to his enemy, and the the Bible says that the king uh, of Gath actually sends him away because he's afraid of David, so now David has nobody. He has no allies. He's on the run, and now he finds refuge in this cave. In fact, the word Ajalam in the Hebrew actually means a a retreat, a place of refuge. So David is stuck in a cave. So think for a moment. David must have been thinking to himself, God, Why? Why would you allow me to go from my father's house? Why would you allow me to go from being a sheep herder to being anointed as king? Going from the pit to the palace back into the pit. Why would you do that? You know why would you allow me to be raised up as king only to be on the run for my life? God, you tricked me. Why would you open up such a great door just to slam that door closed right in my face? Be honest. Have you ever wondered yourself, why, God? Have you ever asked God why? Has anybody ever asked God why? I don't know about you, but there's been a couple of times in my life where I've asked God why. Why, God? Why did you bless me with something? Why did you bless me with someone? Why did you bless me with something good just to take it away from me? God, why did you raise me up just to let me fall? God, why did you open a door and then let it shut on me? Why would you allow somebody that I loved and trusted to betray me? Why would you allow somebody to play with my emotions? Why would you allow my enemies to get the upper hand in my life? God, sometimes I feel like you're playing a gigantic trick on me. Have you ever thought God played a trick on you? Come on, let's be honest here. Am I in the right room here? God, why? Why did you do that? You know, why did you deceive me into believing that everything would be okay? David wasn't the first person to feel that way. You know, the Bible tells us that God gives Abraham a promise that Abraham's going to be the father of many children, and he's going to be the father of many nations, and yet Abraham is waiting almost 10 years plus for a child, and and Abraham's thinking, God, you tricked me. God, you gave me a promise, Lord God, and it hasn't come to fruition. Moses He must have felt that way when it seemed like God raised Moses up only for Moses now to be in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 years. Elijah, he's sitting in a cave. And he's wondering to himself, God, is there anyone that that hasn't bowed their knees to the, uh, the gods of, the false gods of this world? God, it feels like I'm the only one serving you. Maybe you're here today, and you're the only person in your family that's serving the Lord. And it's been a long time, and, and you've been praying for your family members. You've been praying for your sons. You've been praying for your daughters. You've been praying for your fathers or your mothers, whatever it may be. And it just feels like God played a trick on you. Why? Because, man, You you were just so, so believing in your heart that God was going to save somebody. God was going to change a circumstance or a situation in your life. And now you feel like Elijah, you're stuck in the cave and you're the only one who loves the Lord. And you're even wondering, is it worth it for me to serve God? Is it worth it for me to trust God? Job must have felt that way. When Job, the Bible says, was a man of God, he loved God every day. He sacrificed to the Lord and he believed in God and he believed that God was a good God and that. God would bless him if he did the right thing and now Job is is sitting on the outside of the gates and he's got boils and sores and, and he's wondering to himself, why God? He never curses God, but he curses the day that he was born. He never curses God, but he wonders, God, why in the world would you allow these things to happen in my life? The disciples felt that way. They felt like they were deceived by Jesus. Jesus comes and promises them that there's a kingdom. He promises them that there's a powerful kingdom and now Jesus is hanging on the cross and they're on the run from the Jews and now they're stuck in their own cave. They're stuck in the upper room and they're wondering, why God would you allow this to happen in my life? Have you ever asked God, why God? And now David is sitting in a cave. And the truth is, caves can be scary places. Now, I want you to know there's some beautiful caves around the world. You go to Mexico, you'll find incredible caves. You you go to Italy, you'll find a wonderful cave, right off the, 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 it's it's right on the island of Capri. It's a beautiful cave, it's called the Grata. It's an amazing cave, beautiful water. And so some caves are beautiful, but for the most part, caves are scary places. Caves are unknown places. Caves can be places where you wonder, are you going to get out? For the most part, living in a cave for months, and some some theologians believe that David actually lived in a cave for months. Could you imagine living in a cave for months can be downright depressing? I could imagine it. it would be downright discouraging and scary and incredibly lonely living in a cave. In fact... June 23rd, 12 boys ranging from the ages of 11 to 16 and their coach, who was 25 years old, were trapped in a cave for over 17 days. They were deep in the cave, and they were so far into the cave that they couldn't get themselves out because of the monsoon rains, and and the water was rising in the cave, and, and no one really believed that those boys would get out. Nobody. Even they were doing an interview with some of the folks that were part of the dive team. And one of the divers said, yeah, I I believe that we'd probably get the boys out, but they wouldn't be alive. And yet, thank God, all of the boys, every single boy, 12 of them, were spared. And I thank God for that. And and actually, one of our missionaries that we support, his son was on the dive team. What an incredible story of rescuing these boys out of the cave. And David now is stuck in the cave for months. And the truth is, we can all in our life at one time or another feel like we're stuck in a cave. It may not be a physical cave. We may be stuck in a cave of depression. We may be stuck in the cave of despair, losing somebody that we love. We may be stuck in a cave of an abusive relationship and we feel like we're stuck. We may be stuck in a financial difficult situation. We may be stuck in the cave waiting for something to change in our life, waiting for deliverance, waiting for healing, waiting for the sun to shine again. Waiting for the breath, that fresh breath of air from God's goodness in our life. And at one time or another, like David, we all felt like we were stuck in a cave. Like David, while we were stuck in the cave, we asked the question, why God? Why did you allow these things to happen? And that's exactly what happens to David. David is tricked and deceived by Saul. David's heart is broken. And David is wondering, why God? Why would you anoint me as king? Why would you place me in the palace? Why would you raise me up just to let me down? That's exactly what happened to Job. Job is wondering, why, God, would you bless me so much? What do you do when somebody betrays you? What do you do when somebody's hurt you? What do you do when suddenly it it, it seems like you're on top of the world? For David, he was on top of the world. He had just been anointed as king. First Samuel chapter 17, David's anointed as king. First Samuel chapter 18, David's on the run. And so how quickly things can change in our life. It may be that you get that phone call, that bad phone call, that that dreaded phone call, man, somebody that you love has died, or maybe your husband, your wife, tells you that they don't love you anymore, just how quickly things can change, and they change so quickly for David, suddenly things turn from bad to worse, you get knocked off You know, uh, of a situation, and it it seems just like you, you don't know what's going on in your life. And the truth is, it's a dark time in your life. It's a scary time in your life. It's a lonely place in your life. You feel discouraged. It's a discouraging place in your life. And the truth is, we all get cave time in our life. Every believer gets cave time in their life. Now, I know that there's some preachers out there that will tell you that if you give your life to Jesus, you're never going to get stuck in a cave. I know there are preachers that will tell you that if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to be blessed and everything's going to go really well in your life. It's going to be the best life you've ever had in your life. No problems in your life. Friend, I want to tell you, every Christian gets cave time. Because the truth of the matter is, it's in the cave that God does his best work. It's in the cave times, it's in the pit times, it's in the fiery trial times that God does his best work. Listen to me, I want you to write this down. Caves are the best curriculum for a Christian to mature and grow in their faith. Come on, somebody. You see, the cave time is the core curriculum of spiritual maturity in all of our lives. You can call it the pit. You can call it the prison. You can call it the desert. You can call it the wilderness. But the cave is basic training for all believers. Joseph had a prison. Moses had a desert. Jeremiah had a pit. Daniel had a den. And Paul was in prison so much that they said, we'll leave the light on for you, Paul. Even Jesus had a wilderness experience And he had even a cave experience when they put his body in the cave for three days. But thank God, on the third day, he broke out of that cave. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. The cave to the believer is a place where we die to ourselves. The cave to the believer is a place where God shows us what our motives are really like. He refines our agenda. It's in the cave. It's when we're all by ourselves. It's when we can't figure out what's going on in our life that we throw up our hands and say, "God, I don't understand, but I do know, God, that you're doing the work inside of me." It's in the cave where our motives are tested and refined. It's the place where we find courage. It's where we find courage and our courage is stretched and our fears are worked through. It's a dark place and and so many of us are afraid of that dark place. We'd never want to go to that dark place in our life but it's in the darkness that we see the light of God's goodness. It's in the darkness that we see the light of God's faithfulness. It's in the darkness that courage comes alive inside of our spirit and God teaches us how to be People of God who trust Him and believe that God is gonna get us through that season in our life. Somebody say Amen. It's the place where God shows you what you're really holding on to in your life. The cave to the believer is a place of separation. God taking you out of what you're depending on. God putting you in a place where you have nothing but God, no one else to depend on but you and God. The cave is the place of pruning and forging and and disciplining us so that we might be more fruitful in our life. And for David, it was one of the most frustrating yet fruitful times in his life. Why? Because it's in the cave that David has nothing but God. It's in the cave that David had to listen closely to the small, still voice of God. It was in the cave that David learned how to trust God, even when he didn't understand why. It was in the cave that David had to hold on to God and know that God would never leave or forsake him. It was in the cave that God did his best work in David's life. It was in the cave where David wrote some of those powerful psalms that you'll ever read. Man, you're sitting on your couch and you're reading those psalms, but those psalms were penned in a dark cave where David could couldn't depend on anybody but God alone. I want you to write this down, Psalms 142. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I want you to go home and read Psalms 142. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I promise you, Pastor Steve, that I'm going to go home and read Psalms 142 or all my hair will fall out of my head. This brother, he he doesn't have anything to worry about. Praise God. Psalms 142, I want you to go home and I want you to read Psalms 57, Psalms 57, and I want you to read Psalms 34. In fact, I want to read to you a little bit of Psalms 34. David is sitting in a cave. He's sitting in a dark cave. He's been in this cave for months, and God is doing his best work in David's life. And, and we are thankful today for Psalms 34. Have you ever read Psalms 34? Has it ministered to your soul while you're sitting on your couch reading Psalms 34 and it's encouraging your soul? Never forget that God did his best work in David's life because David wrote that in a cave when he's all by himself. When he's at the darkest place in his life, David emerges out of that and hears a word from God. I want you to know you might be in a dark place in your life today, you might be in a cave today, but But I want you to know God has a word for you. He has a word for you this morning. He has a word for you in that dark season. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to teach you how to listen to him. He's got a word for you today about what God wants to do through your life and in your life. Come on, somebody help me out and say amen. Psalms 34. When David is driven away and he's in a cave. David says this, some of his best work. Listen to what he says. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord while I was in a cave, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Oh God, I was always afraid of going through a cave experience, but you delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to the Lord are radiant. Their face never is covered with shame. This poor man, while he was in a cave, he called out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him, and the Lord saved him out of all of his trouble. The angel of the Lord, while I'm in this cave all by myself, I have nothing to fear. Why? Because the angel of the Lord, he encamps around those who fear him. He and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Wow. Taste and see while you're in the cave that the Lord is good. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to talk to you, and deep will talk to deep. Hallelujah. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the man who's sitting in the cave of Adjalam and takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his people. For those who fear him lack nothing. Even while I'm in this cave, I lack no good thing. Even when I'm going through a pit experience, I lack no good thing. Even when I'm going through a trial in my life, I lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord whoever loves his life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Don't seek revenge, but turn from evil and do good. Even when somebody puts you in that pit, don't do evil, but do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He can see right through those rocks into my heart. And his ears are attentive to my cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to plot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, while I was in this cave, Lord, I cried out to you. And the Lord heard me. And he delivers them from all their trouble. The Lord, the Lord in my cave is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many trials, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants, and no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Wow, that is written. In a cave and I want you to now turn if you would the Psalms 57 Psalms 57 because in Psalms 57 David actually shows us what to do when we're stuck in a cave what do we do when somebody betrays us and we're stuck in a cave what do we do when we're running for our life and the only thing that we can run into is a dark cave what do we do when we're stuck in a cave nowhere else to run when we're forced to wait on God. Where we have no one else to rescue us when we're forced to wait on God. Number one, I want you to write this down. David found refuge in God. David found refuge in God. Notice David is sitting in a cave a lot longer than he wanted to be in that cave. And David says, Lord, While I'm stuck in this cave, while I have nowhere else to run, while there's those that want to destroy my life, right now I decide, I choose to take refuge in you. Notice what he says in verse 1. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for I take, I choose to take refuge in you. I love what David says in Psalms 27, one of my most favorite psalms. Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold, the refuge of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me, it is the wicked that will stumble and fall. Though an army come against me, I will not fear. Though war besiege me, I will still be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing I see, that I may dwell in the house, that I may dwell in the secret place that I may dwell in the very cave of God, that I may dwell in the refuge of God, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And it's in that place, David says, that he will hide me in the shelter of his refuge. Come on, somebody help me out. David said, I choose to make God my refuge. In other words, I don't understand why I'm stuck in this cave. I'm not happy in this cave. I'm even frustrated at times being stuck in this cave for too long but one thing i will do i'll keep on holding on to god i'll keep on running after god i'll keep on trusting in god's faithfulness i'll make god my refuge listen to me i know some of you today are stuck in a cave and i know it seems so discouraging i know it's scary it can even be frustrating but don't give up don't lose your focus don't give in to fear. Don't give in to discouragement. Keep on holding on to God. Keep on running to God. Keep on allowing God to teach you what He wants you to learn in this cave, and keep on making God your refuge. What's a refuge? It's a place where you can run to to find safety and peace. And so this morning, I want to ask you, is your heart broken? Is your heart afraid? Is your heart discouraged run to God hold on to God because I want you to know he's the one listen to me he's the one who lowered you into the cave it didn't take God by surprise I want you to know that God is a sovereign God he knows every point of your life he knows every situation in your life the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God many of the plans of a man's heart and men most of us don't plan to be in a cave for months but the Bible tells us the sovereignty of God God lowers us down into the cave because he does his best work in the cave but I want you to know this one thing while he's lowering you down into the cave he's making you a promise that he's not letting go of the rope he's holding on to the rope hallelujah and you just got to keep on holding on to God hallelujah what does it mean to hold on to God What does it mean to hold on to the rope? It means you hold on to the promises of God. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus and the promise that God made to you that he's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. The promise that God made to you that he's going to finish the work that that he began inside of you and in you and through you. The Bible tells us that even though you're walking through that cave, even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. Why? Because God's holding on to the the rope. Hallelujah. And he'll never let you go. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. Hallelujah. You keep holding on to the promises of God. What does it mean to keep holding on? It means you keep on doing what God's called you to do. What does it mean to keep on holding on? You keep on being faithful to God. Oh, when you want to run. Oh, there have been times when I've, I've wanted to run out of this cave Last thing I wanted to do is stay in this cave. I wanted to run out and find somebody that'll help me. I wanted to run out and find somebody that give me shelter. I wanted to find shelter in somebody else. And yet God said, you stay still. You wait on the Lord. Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You keep holding on. You keep running to God. You just keep running to God. In a dark time in your life, in a time where you don't understand, you just keep on going to God. Why? Because David was sure of this. Listen to me. David knew that this season in his life would pass. You see, you keep running to God. You don't run away from God because God knows The work that he's doing in your life, as James says, consider it pure joy when you encounter a cave situation in your life. He said, because God wants to make you a persevering and enduring Christian so that you might be mature, not lacking any good thing. Friend, you're in that cave and you might be in there a lot longer than you want to be, but God's saying, you're not ready yet. Hallelujah. You're not done yet. I'm doing a work inside of you. I'm doing an incredible work inside of you. It's a work of deep faith. It's a work of deep trust. It's a work of understanding how to hear the voice of God. It's a work so that I can use you for my glory and my honor, and I am shaping you, and I am molding you in the fire of that cave, and you're not done yet, but but David knew this one thing. When God was done, and God would be done, God would deliver him from this situation in his life. While David is stuck in a cave, David said, I know that this situation i know that this cave time i know that this pain-filled season will pass in my life notice what he says in verse one i will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until this disaster has passed hallelujah he didn't say i'm dying in this cave he didn't say i'm dying in the pit he didn't say i'm dying in the valley he said i'm just walking through hallelujah I'm walking through the cave, I'm gonna see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm walking through this situation in my life. David is sitting in a cave for months. David is running for his life. David comes to, to the, so close to death so many times, but David is convinced that if he holds on, this too will pass. David knew that this was a season in his life. David knew for every season there's a reason, hallelujah. He knew that there was a reason and he can hold on to God because he knew it would pass. And my friend, you and I must believe that we're in a season in our life. We must believe that God will be faithful to bring us to the other side. We must believe that God will complete the lesson he wants us to learn in our life. We must believe that God will use even our enemies to do something that will create something good inside of us. I love what David says in Psalms 27. He says in verse 13, I am expecting, I love this. This is David speaking while he's on the run. I am expecting the Lord to rescue me again and again so that once again I will see his goodness to me in the land of the living. Don't, David says, don't be impatient, but wait for the Lord. And he will come and save you. Just just be cool, man. David's saying, listen, don't panic. Don't panic. Just like those 12 boys that were in that cave. Guys, don't panic. Somebody's coming to rescue you. David said, I know who's coming to rescue me. The Lord's coming to rescue me. So while the Lord is making me wait, I am going to wait on the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Does it mean that we grumble and complain? Does it mean that we remind the Lord every day, Lord, when am I going to get out of this mess? No, no, no. Waiting on the Lord means we're serving God while we're waiting on the Lord. We're still doing the things that God wants us to do. We're still bringing him glory and honor. We're waiting on the Lord. You know what a waiter does? The waiter comes and waits on me and gives me what I want. And God's saying, listen, while you're in the cave, you still give me what I want. And I want your life. I want to use you to bless other people. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. He said, don't be impatient, but wait for the Lord. He will come and save you. But he said, while you're waiting in the cave, verse 14, be brave, be stout-hearted and courageous. Yes, wait, and he will help you. David learned that lesson, waiting in a cave. David said, I'm expecting God to save me, to rescue me, to vindicate me, to deliver me. I'm expecting the Lord to come through again in my life. Listen to me. David could have given up all hope. Those boys, those 12 boys in the cave could have given up all hope. But something inside of them said, hold on, don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. Listen, you cannot afford to give up now. You cannot afford to stop believing now. You cannot afford to stop holding on. David said, don't be impatient. How often do we become so impatient and we take matters into our own hands? But God said, I'm going to come and save you. But be patient because I'm doing a work in your life. But I will, I will save you. God says, you're not done. And when you're done, I'm going to come and rescue you. And we've got to believe that in our hearts. Deep down in our hearts, we've got to believe it may be a day. It may be four months. Listen to me. It may be four years. It may be 40 years. To the Lord, a day is like... A thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And friends, I want to tell you, for some of us, it may be a lifetime that we are waiting in that cave, waiting for the deliverance of God. But I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us that when we see Jesus face to face, when we see him in glory, he's going to wipe away every tear, take away every sorrow. And all those things that we were hoping for, we're going to see in heaven. And the Bible tells us when when we get up there, we're going to forget the pain and the suffering and the sorrow that we've been through in our life. God is going to deliver us whenever he chooses. And at the same time, we need to believe with all of our heart that deliverance is on its way. Come on, somebody. You need to keep on saying deliverance is on the way. (laughs) David knew that God would have the last word in his life. Thirdly, while David is stuck in a cave, he's confident that God will vindicate him. Notice Psalms 57, I cried out to God, the Most High, who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions, and I'm forced to dwell in a cave with beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit for me and my path, but they have fallen into the pit. Wow. I love this. David said, while I'm stuck in the cave, I'm confident that God will completely vindicate me. In other words, God always has the last word in our life. Everyone else may think. Everyone else may say of us. Everyone else may judge us. Everyone else may look at us and say, why are you in that cave? Everyone may have their opinion, why? We're even in that cave, but I know this one thing. God will vindicate us. God will defend us. God will uphold us. God will support us. God will maintain us, and God will have the last word in our life. Even the enemy who plots against us, there's coming a day when Jesus will have the last word with the devil. Come on, somebody. And I know some of you in this room, you're not in that pit because you put yourself in that pit. You might be in that pit. You might be in that cave because somebody hurt you in your life. Somebody did something that really hurt you in your life. It wasn't your fault. David is in that cave because somebody wants to kill him. David's in that cave because someone's jealous of him. David's in that cave because somebody hated him. David's in that cave because somebody abused him. And I know that when we get abused, when we're mistreated, we want to lash out, we want to take revenge. We want to we make sure that everybody in the world knows that we're right. Maybe a Christian hurt you. Maybe a leader hurt you. Maybe there's something that happened in your life that people are looking at you. Remember, David's on the run, and Saul has a smear campaign against David, and everyone's thinking David's trying to take the kingdom, but David is sitting still. Like Paul the Apostle said, don't take revenge. You just keep on waiting for God because vengeance is the Lord's. Come on, somebody. You just keep on doing the right thing. You keep on believing. You keep on on trusting God, because one day God is going to vindicate you. God always has the last word. Hallelujah. So David says, don't take matters into your own hand. I'm talking to somebody right now who's been hurt. I'm talking to somebody right now who's been in some way accused of something. And as a result of that, you're in that cave, not because of your own doing, but in, because of the doing of somebody else. You might be in that cave because your husband put you in that cave, your wife put you in that cave, a friend put you in that cave, your family member put you in that cave, and you want to take revenge. I want you to know today, trust in God. He always has the last word. And lastly, as the worship team comes, I think it's so important for us to understand that David is committed. David chooses to keep praising and worshiping God even in his darkest hours. Look at Psalms 34 again. Here's David sitting in a cave and the first thing that David said is this, I will extol the Lord at all times. David doesn't say I'm gonna praise the Lord when I get out of this cave. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, when I get out of this cave, I'm going to give thanks to the Lord. When I get out of this cave, I'm going to sing and shout. When I get out of this cave, I'm going to tell everybody God was faithful. Uh -uh. David, he had church all by himself in a cave. He knew. He knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. David knew how to praise the Lord, even in the cave. He said, my heart is stout heart. I have a strong heart. I have a determined heart. I have a heart that says I'm going to keep on praising the Lord. Notice what David says. David says, oh God, my my heart is steadfast. Lord, my heart is fixed on you. I am determined God to glorify you in whatever situation I find myself in. As Paul the apostle said, it is the will of God that you give thanks in every situation. Oh, it's easy to give thanks to the Lord when we're on the mountaintop. It's easy to give thanks to the Lord when we're not stuck in a cave. It's easy to give thanks to the Lord when everything's good in our life. It's easy to give thanks to the Lord when. Everybody speaks well of us, but man, when we're stuck in a cave, that's when we've got to put on the full armor of God, and we've got to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and say, I'm going to praise my way through this pit. I'm going to praise my way through this valley. I'm going to praise my way through this fiery trial. I'm going to praise my way through this cave situation in my life. David said, I will extol the Lord at all times. I mean, I would, have, I would have loved to seen what went on in David's life in the cave. I would have loved to see. Just give me a video shot of David in the cave when he's praising the Lord all by himself. <laughs> all by himself in the cave praising the Lord. See, if you're going to be a strong Christian, you've got to learn how to praise the Lord even when you're going through difficult times in your life. You've got to learn how to thank the Lord. Even when it's so difficult in your life, even though there are times in your life when you can barely get yourself out of bed. Hey, Amen. There have been times in my life that it was hard just to get out of bed. Man, I don't want to get out of bed. And then I just start thinking about the goodness of the Lord in my life. Oh, Lord, man, I've got a tough day ahead of me, Lord. But man, you've been so good, God. Lord, I'm still in this cave, but God, every day in this cave, One way or another, you sent something for me to eat. Hallelujah. I'm in this cave, Lord, but every day you kept me alive, God. One more day to praise your name, Lord God. David, he was determined. He said, My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music to the Lord. He said, Awake my soul when we're in a cave. It seems like our soul wants to go into hibernation. Okay, I'll praise the Lord when things are good, but our soul wants to go into hibernation, and we get depressed, and we get discouraged and disillusioned, and that's when David said, no, 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 you need to put on the garment. You need to take the garment of praise, and you need to praise your way to victory in your life. He said, awake my soul, awake the harp and the lyre. Will, I will awaken my soul and I will awaken the dawn with my praise, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you to the people of God. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens and let your glory be over all the earth. Listen to me. I believe the secret to David's entire life was wrapped up in this one verse, David said, no matter where I am, no matter what's happening in my life, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how dark it gets, even if I'm stuck in a cave, even if I'm being hunted down like a dog, even if I've got to do that cave time in my life, my heart is steadfast. My heart is unfaltering. My heart is completely resolute. My my heart is persistently committed. My heart is unswerving. My heart is firm. My heart is unrelenting. My heart is unbending. My heart is unmovable. My heart is unyielding in every situation, in every circumstance, in every fiery trial, storm and every pain-filled situation and heartbreaking situation in my life, I will yet glorify God. I live to glorify the Lord. Come on, somebody. Awaken our souls, God. Awaken our souls this morning that we might rise up and say, God, no matter what happens in our life, we will give you praise. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself in a cave situation in your life. That's the time you need to throw up your hands and say, God, I will praise you, God. I want you to notice something so powerful about this story. <laughs> so incredibly powerful. First Samuel chapter 22. And David runs to the cave of Adullam. The place of refuge. Listen to me. Look at me. And the Bible says while he's in the cave, doing cave time, his brothers and his father and his mother and all those that were discouraged and all those that their souls were in distress, they came to David and David becomes their commander. Hallelujah. In other words, when you're determined to keep your heart's focused on God, when you're determined to glorify God, even when you're doing cave time, God will send hurting people to you. <laughs> you're in the hospital doing cave time, and God sends somebody to you that needs to know about Jesus. But God knows he can trust you. Oh, it's so easy to praise the Lord when things are going well. But the greatest example of a God-fearing, loving person who loves God with all their heart is when they go through the pit when they go through the valley they can yet still declare the goodness of God how beautiful is it when a person's going through a difficult time in their life and they still love God with all their heart how beautiful how beautiful to God and if God would ever use David in an, in a gigantic way God would have to get David into a cave all by himself and see, is David still going to praise me? And if David can praise me in a cave, I can then trust David to command hurting people, command people that have been bruised and wounded because he's been bruised and wounded. And through it all, through it all, he was able to trust God Now I can trust him with hurting people. Can God trust you with hurting people? Oh, he can. If you determine in your life that no matter what happens in your life, God gets the glory. Hallelujah. My heart is steadfast, God. My heart is steadfast. And sometime later, the Bible says the prophet comes to David and says, David, okay, you've done your cave time. Listen to me. Get ready to stand. Get ready to shout. Get ready to praise the Lord. The prophet comes to David and says, David... You've done your cave time. Now I want you to leave the stronghold, and I want you to go to the city of Judah. You know what the city of Judah is? Do you know what Judah means? It means praise. David, now I want you to shout. Now I want you to scream at the top of your lungs. Now I want you to say, David, God has been good. Hallelujah. David, I want you to say, thank God. I got out of that season in my life, and I want to tell you today, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, God is going to bring you out of that season in your life, and God God's going to begin to bless you again, and God's going to begin to show you everything that you've gone through. He used it for His glory and His honor so that you might be the mighty woman of God, the mighty man of God. If you're going through a cave experience right now, I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to say, yes, Lord, I exalt you, God. No matter what in my life, God, I will give you praise, God. Come on, somebody. Raise your hands and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm going to praise you, God. I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to love you, God. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to bless your name, God. Do it inside of me, God. Do that work in my life, God. In the name of Jesus. Come on.